Welcome to this week's podcast from Gathering Place Church. We hope you enjoy this I want to message. welcome everyone tuning in right now online. We're happy you're here as well. Uh, we also want to welcome back uh, Pam King is here with us for a little while. Pam, we're happy you're here. And we thank you for all the blood, sweat, and tears, the many years you put into sowing into this worship team. So much of what it is today is because of your heart and the foundation that was laid. We love and appreciate you and honor you for that. But man, this morning, God did something special and stirred us in the first service. And I pray that you're feeling the stirring of the Holy Spirit this morning as well. This morning, I'm excited as um, I've just been praying. And I love series. I love when you can get in a passage of scripture and you can unpack the truth and all the good stuff and get the context. But for the next couple of weeks, Bree and I, we've just been crying out to God, falling on our faces and asking God, what is it you have for Gathering Place Church? What is the vision that you have? What do, you, what do your people need? Because Bree and I want to be pastors that don't just copycat, that don't, we want to know what God wants specifically for Gathering Place Church. And don't you know, he does specific things in specific houses, and we want to connect into that and plug into what the Holy Spirit is doing here and is doing now. Because I believe you're going to be blessed these next few weeks as we're just asking the Holy Spirit to stir within us. Because we truly are a church that isn't stagnant. We're a church that's not dead. But we're a church that's moving forward. We're a church that wants to pursue the lost. We're a church that wants to see your lives healed, made whole, and for you to accomplish all that God has created you to do. Aren't you thankful that you're in a church that's healthy, that loves the Word of God, that loves the Holy Spirit, that preaches the full gospel? We want that to be imparted into your life. So this morning, if you're taking notes, the title of the message is The Chair. Now as I think about the chair, and as you see here, you and I need to know that the chair is all about a reserved place that Jesus sits each and every day and invites us to come and commune, invites us to come and sit with him. Without this principle of the chair in our life, of sitting with Jesus, of being fed by Jesus, I want to, uh, I, I, I know, and I challenge you, and I think you would agree, that we miss out on what can be imparted into our life. If we don't take the time, call it what you will, it might be a quiet time, it might be devotionals, it might um, be just sitting at the feet of Jesus, but we need to develop, and I pray that it stir something in you this morning. Maybe you do have a great discipline of devotions, but that you would begin to allow that quiet place, that quiet time to be stirred in you. And if that does not exist in your walk, and I pray this message, that you will take it, because my heart isn't for you just to be inspired here, but that you would take the messages, you would take the word, and it would affect not just your Sunday, but your Monday, your Tuesday, your Wednesday, Thursday, that it would touch every part of your week. Quiet time has radically changed my life. I was sharing a story. Um, our, our middle school um, English teacher, Mr. Murphy, uh, if you didn't know, I actually uh, came to know him when I was 18 at Teen Mania's Honor Academy, and we connected there, 26 now, and so it's crazy through a turn of events. Now he's here teaching at Zion Christian Academy, which is pretty awesome how God works. But he inspired something in me when I was 18, and I'll tell you the story. Um, but I can remember one morning when 
we would do these corporate exercises every morning as a part of the internship where the entire campus of uh, 250 to 300 interns would have to wake up Monday through Friday and do a corporate exercise from 6 to 7 o'clock before the day would start. And it was grueling, it was rough, and nobody wanted to do it, but we did it to discipline our bodies. But I remember walking out in this haze, it's like 5.30, and I'm getting ready for a corporate exercise, and I make my way around the corner as I'm going to the bathroom, and I see Brian. Nobody else is up, there's a little lamp, and here he's sitting on the couch in his chair that he made, and he had his cup of coffee and was reading the Word of God. And... That said so much of what I needed to know about him and where, he, where wisdom was deposited into his life and how he connected with God. Now, the same is with, with you. You might have a chair. My chair has looked differently from season to season. Right now, a lot of what my chair looks like is a rocking chair with a baby, and I have my Bible app playing uh, whatever the passage of Scripture is for the day. Uh, many times, uh, what my chair has looked like in the past as well is I can remember when I was 16 and I was really struggling through some things because how many of you know high school is a struggle? And I had asked Pastor Joyce, hey, can I come over and can we just pray? I, just, I need you to pray for me. So I met with her and the Holy Spirit showed up and, and was just filled. And I can remember after um, the Holy Spirit had touched me, I sat back in one of the chairs in her living room and just had my Bible. And just, cause you know, when the presence of God touches you, you just want to sit there and just allow it to finish really what God's wanting to do. So years later, Pastor Joyce was getting rid of some furniture. I said, hey, I, I want to make sure I get that chair. Okay, I'm weird about chairs if you're not catching. But I asked, hey, can I have that chair? And what was neat is that chair ended up in uh, my office. And that was many times I had encounters with God and would read and prepare messages. So there's something powerful. And what I'm trying to get you to catch is that Jesus wants you to have a chair in your home. Yes, physically, but most importantly, spiritually, that you call a place where it is committed intimacy, where you are connecting with God. Because Sunday worship is not going to cut it. It's a, um, it's a blessing, and it's in addition to, but we have to make our quiet times, our devotions, a priority in our life. You know, I love when the first day of fall ro rolls around, because it's like the beginning of a new year. Anybody love fall? It's like, yes, fall is finally here. Pumpkin spice latte is back. All is well in the world. Football is here. The divine order is back in motion. So many of us, we see fall as like this new season, this new time. And when a new school year, a new season rolls around, we begin to, you know, make goals and we begin to evaluate our lives and evaluate how we're spending our walk with God, evaluating ourselves spiritually. And so my prayer this morning is that you would look at what the condition of your chair is. You've heard stories as you read um, uh, history books and textbooks of what's known as a lost city, that when a city uh, becomes abandoned or uh, it, it becomes uh, mauled over or it becomes decrepit is how the, the lost city, the rubble covers of what was a powerful empire or a powerful city at the time. I pray that the rubble of busyness, that the rubble of even just raising kids, not that that's rubble, but you get where I'm, what I say from that, is that we wouldn't allow busyness to keep us from being in the chair. We wouldn't allow life to keep us from connecting with God. You might also find yourself where you use the excuse of busyness, right? Some of you have been busy for 15 years and you keep putting things off and putting things off and putting things off. It's easy to be busy because of just simply how we have screens and we're connected and there's always something to fill our time. 
So we have to intentionally un unplug and make time to sit in the chair. And I pray this habit this morning, and really the main thought I want to share with you, Kenny, if you put up our first point is this, if you're taking notes, is sitting with Jesus is the only way to be fed by Jesus. We have to make that time to sit with Jesus in order to be fed by Jesus. Quickly, I want to look at a passage of scripture that speaks to this. Many of us know the story of Mary and Martha. Anybody love that story? It just connects with you, and it's a good reminder that, okay, Mary chose the better thing. She sat with Jesus while Martha was running and going and doing and preparing. And Jesus made a statement in Luke 10, 41 through 42 that said this. It said, and Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. Anybody ever identify with Martha? Get worried and troubled easy. But Jesus said this, as Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. I love where it says that will not be taken away from her, because what is deposited into your life as you sit in the chair and are fed by Jesus? Nothing can ever take away what God puts in you when you take time to get in his word and to get in his presence, and it happens um, making the decision to do it. So we see a different story. It's a chapter before, and it's the miracle of the 5,000. I never really looked at it this way, but it, it, it shares a great truth of how you see Jesus feed people and how he feeds you and I, and this is a principle of how he feeds us and how he nourishes us as we go about our days and go about life. Look what scripture says in the feeding of the 5,000 is this miracle, the story begins to unravel. Verse 10, Luke 9, chapter 10 says this. says, and the apostles, when they had returned, told him all that they had done. Hear this right here. Then he took them and went aside privately into a deserted place belonging to the city called Bethsaida. So we see Jesus right here take his apostles into a deserted place, wanted to get them alone. I think we see a spiritual principle right there that Jesus wants and desires that for us, that he wants to get us alone into that quiet place, into that desert, deserted place. You know, a theme you see through scripture as well is Jesus would preach great messages to crowds, but it's when the apostles, what happened, they would go away, they would get private, they would sit around a campfire, apostles and Jesus, and Jesus would give further truth or deeper revelation of what he had just preached on and what he had said. The same is with simply this morning, not comparing myself to Jesus or anything, but when you hear the word of God proclaimed in a group setting like this, then it's up to you to then get away and say, Jesus, take me a little deeper in what was said this morning. It's where you get in the word and you begin to meditate on it. You begin to study it and you begin to get the deeper heart of God through it. So you see that this is a theme where he wants to get you away, just, just, um, just you and him. You know, I think about this as well and the uh, rollout of a wedding. Many of us love weddings. We were at one last night. But for the guys, and I think guys, we can agree with this, is our ladies love pictures. You know, for some reason, for some weddings, it's like all about the pictures, right? You start your day off early, you're getting pictures. You, get to the, you don't even get to the wedding. You felt like you've already taken all your pictures. You're not even dressed and you're getting pictures taken. You finally get to the wedding, you're getting dressed and they're taking pictures. Uh, you get... Um, you know, all your bridal party and everything and just everyone, pictures everywhere. Now for us guys, we love the celebration. 
We love the, um, and ladies too, we love the, the, the wedding part of it, all the, the aspects that go into the wedding. But what we really can't wait for is to get away with our wife and pray together, right? <laughs> no, we can't wait to get away and be alone with him. That's the end goal of everything. At the end of the day, you're getting married, all right? Come on, y'all, I'm not the only one here. I speak the truth, take it or leave it. But we see this is that that is what Jesus desires for us, is to get us alone to where we can hear his heart, where we can spend that uninterrupted time together. And that's what a quiet time, and that's what the chair is all about. And so I was thinking is, you know, it says the feeding of the 5,000, but that's just the men, not including the women and children. So that would speak to, there was upwards of studies will show 10 to 15,000 people in this crowd, in this gathering that were hungry. Jesus preached three hours. He was a long-winded preacher. And so everyone was hungry and ready to eat. And so we know the miracle of what happened. A boy brings back the loaves and the fish and it multiplies. But this is what really jumped out of the, the scripture to me in Luke chapter nine, verse 14. Look what happened as I was asking how were these many people fed? And so if you like structure and organization and Jesus kind of put structure before the miracle took place. Look what he says. He said, then he said to his disciples, make them sit down in groups of 50. And they did so and made them all sit down. And I love it because it speaks right to that, that sitting with Jesus is the only way to be fed by Jesus. In order for these massive amounts of people to be fed, they had to sit. Now, those of you that have maybe a, a one and a half, two-year-old, they start walking and running and it, the game changes for you when you have to try to start feeding them. They're no longer cute and in your arm and controlled and fed. Now you have to chase them down and put them in a seat to be fed, right? I think many of the times we're like that, where we're running and we're busy, doing good things, doing ministry, doing work, loving family, and we forget that we have to sit and allow ourselves to be fed. And so sitting with Jesus again is the only way to truly be fed by Jesus. We don't want to be the baby that's running around. I love this as well. And this is um, from a mathematician in the 16th century I found. It speaks to this. His name's Blaise Pascal. He said this, all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. Many of us fear just being by ourselves. It's like this idea because, again, we're so connected and we have five TVs in our home and five smartphones and three iPads and three desktops and two laptops, just a screen always in our face, right? So it's hard, the concept of just getting alone with God, you have to take your Apple Watch off your wrist, put your phone in the other room, mute the TV. It's like there's a work that goes into the society and the world we live in just to drain out the outside world. You know, I got an Apple Watch thinking it would make my life better. Now when I get a phone call, I have to hear two rings instead of one. Seems counterproductive there, but Apple said it was better, so I trusted them. <laughs> and so we see, again, just this idea of we have to, I, I believe 100% technology is a blessing. But in the world we live in, it's also new, and it's almost like we're guinea pigs and we really don't know the outcomes of all this technology being funneled and put into our life. 
And so we have to know how to steward it, how to put it in its place where it's a blessing, not where it begins to rob from us. And so I challenge you when you make the plan to get in your chair and get in your quiet times that you just remove all technology and you say, I want to get in the word of God. I want to get a piece of paper and a pen and I want to write and just write what God begins to deposit into my life. Look what happens is they were fed in the outcome of this miracle. Luke 9 verse 16 says this. It says, then he took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke them and gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. Hear this right here because this is what happens when we spend time in the chair. Verse 17 it says, so they all ate and were filled. It says, and the 12 baskets of the leftover fragments were taken up by them. So it's almost like as I'm holding baby Daniel and he's fed and satisfied, then I throw him over my shoulder and I just begin to pound that little back. We're waiting to hear a little something in the back of my ear. We want to hear that burp, right? It's like a sign of, ah, I'm satisfied, I'm filled. And it's almost like you can imagine that when everyone ate, it's like you just heard this collective burp of, ah, you know what I mean? I'm filled, I'm fueled. And so, see, when you have a baby, everything just begins relating and analogies and illustrations to babies. I guess that's what happens. But you see here that they were filled because they sat. Jesus fed them. There was a plan. Jesus had a plan of how to get all of them in a group and in a circle together. And so here in a minute, I want to actually go through four specific plans or a specific plan that has blessed me, and I pray it blesses you, of how you can have that structured time in the chair where God will speak to you. I love this as well. I wrote this down. Is we need to move this principle of the chair in our lives from, yeah, that's nice to have. Like, it's nice when we can sit down with God, and sometimes I'm guilty of it. I'll say, if I have time, I'll open my Bible, or if my favorite show, uh, you know, this is us isn't on right now, so we don't have to worry about that. I'll have some time to watch. Breeze pulled me into This Is Us. Anybody been pulled in by the TV show This Is Us? Let me see your hands. It's coming on. Yeah, you're, you're guilty. It's Tuesday. So you better have a plan for Tuesday so you don't get pulled in, okay? But it's so true that it can't just be something that's in addition to, but it's something that we make a decision, that it's a must-have in our life. I love what we see through this of really what happens when we make the chair a priority is this. Three points, if you're taking notes. The first one is, it's how I become like Christ. If we don't spend time in the chair, we're never going to be transformed. We're not going to know the heart of God. You know, there's married couples that you begin to see after 20 years, a couple decades, what begins to happen? It's pretty funny, but they begin to dress alike. They even begin looking alike. They begin driving the same thing. And you just begin to see this weird thing begin to take place where they just start looking alike. They talk alike. Becca, you're laughing. Cole and Becca, you guys are just married, but you already start to look alike. I don't know what's happening. (laughs) But There's also another crazy thing that you see, and there's actually science done on this of how uh, their owners and their pets, that there's like this identity that begins to form between them and this weird relates, I don't know. But what you see is that becoming. And look what 2 Corinthians 3, 18 says, and it speaks to this of when we're spending time with Jesus. It says, 
But we all, with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So we see that we can see the unveiled face of God. When we get in the chair, God will take us from glory to glory to glory. When we get in the chair, that's where growth takes place. That's where we become transformed and become like Christ. Here's what a commentary says on this passage of scripture. It says this is, as we behold him, we become what, we're, what we were created to be. God is infinite, therefore growing in his image and glory has no limits. We shall ever see God more clearly and ever be transformed into his likeness. And that all starts in the chair. You're gonna be transformed, you're gonna be made into the image of Christ when you spend time with him. And that's the goal of life is to be like Jesus. That's what, why we're here together is to be like Jesus, to get his heart, to begin to walk as he walks. But it all starts in making a place and making time to spend with him. And I love it as it said of becoming. You can't behold Christ unless you become. You have to become before you behold Becoming means, or beholding means to view, to, to, to begin to see him. If you never see him, if you never spend time with him, you'll never become like him. And I know this is a simple message, but this is a truth if we don't have in our lives that we're never really going to grow. We might come to church, we'll sing songs, we'll listen to the radio, but if we never make the time to grow in our faith and sit down with Jesus, then he can't feed us. That's why I think it's ironic of how we sit here together and you're being fed by the word of God. You're allowing yourself, you're making church a priority right now to be fed by what the scripture has to say. Number two is this, it's when we're sitting at the feet of Jesus, it's how we're guided by the spirit. We're guided by the spirit. 1 John 2, 27 says this, powerful scripture of how the spirit teaches us. It says this, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. Aren't you thankful he abides in you? It says this, and you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. I love what commentary says on 1 John uh, 2.27. It says this right here. It says, Without both the work of the spirit and apostolic doctrine, we would remain in darkness. Many times the scripture can be misconstrued or taken in a way where if I just have my Bible and the Holy Spirit, you know, I'm good. God can teach me. But what the understanding of this is, is that it brings the doctrine, it brings the work of Jesus, it brings the scripture. The spirit will confirm that when you're in the right vein to guide you. Because if you don't have the doctrine to guide you, then you could say anything is the Holy Spirit, or I feel this, or I go off feelings, but you have to have the doctrine to guide you. And it says how the Spirit and the doctrine work together in order to teach us. And so when you have your Bible, you're, you're clearing your mind and clearing space for the Holy Spirit to speak to you. He's gonna take any area of your life as dark, shine light on it so that it can be healed, so that you can be restored. Many times when I go to my chair, 
Usually I don't, I have questions, I'm confused, there might be hurt or pain in my life, I'm dealing with a tough situation, but something miraculous happens when I choose to sit down, I clear my mind, I say, Holy Spirit, speak to me through your word, I need you in this moment, I need you for this situation, and guess what, when I get up out of that chair, whether it's 20 minutes, 30 minutes, or an hour, God did something in me, whether he spoke to me or whether I just had an awareness, okay, God, you are in control. Anybody ever have that where you just need an awareness, okay, God, thank you for confirming that you are in control of the situation. That's what happens when you sit in the chair. It's how we're guided by the Spirit. Number three is this. It's how we are blessed by our Father. You know, I love God as a Father, and I love our church because the way that we are is I'm not your CEO, I'm your pastor. And what uh, pastors would be known as in the ancient church would be as fathers, that they would represent that father figure. They would be an icon of a father. But we live in a world and in a place and have just misconstrued ideas of what a husband is, of what a father is. But when you get in the chair, guess what? You get to know God as a father. You get to know who he truly is and how he wants to really love you like we sing this morning. Most people have the hardest time even understanding how God could love them because of the decisions or things or whatever they've done in their life or whatever their past is. Them coming to the revelation of the love of God can sometimes take a lifetime. But when you get in the chair, that becomes a reality for your life. Joshua 1.8 says this, is that your blessing, your prosperity, and again, prosperity isn't just money, it's your relationships, it's your, um, your marriage, it is your family, the things that are near and dear to the heart of God. These scriptures speak to how your prosperity is in direct connection to your time in the chair. Look what it says in Joshua 1.8. It says this, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For when, for then, hear this, when you're in the chair, when you choose not to depart, it says, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Anybody believe that this morning? Thank God that that's a promise given to you. When you spend time in the chair, you're not gonna be left empty-handed. Many times we think, I have to, I have to shout and get God's attention and I have to de declare these things over my life. Think of it more this way. When you're obedient and doing what God's word says, you don't have to scream and shout. Those things just fall right in your lap. Anybody ever testified to that where you've seen his blessing on the other side of, of your obedience? It's amazing how God works when we just choose to be obedient and we choose not to allow his word to depart from us. Psalms 1, 1 through 3 says this. It says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Aren't you thankful that the chair isn't a seat of the scornful? But it, hear this in verse 2. It says, but his delight. Everybody say delight. delight. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. For he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season. I can also testify to this, and I know many of you can as well. As many times in tough seasons and wilderness seasons, we feel buried. We feel like no one understands. God, where are you? But I'm one opposed to you, and what I've seen happen in my life in this perspective change the Holy Spirit's given me is that 
we're not buried, but we're planted. And when we're planted and we spend time in the chair and allow the Holy Spirit to water us and grow us, just as we just read here, what begins to happen? That tree begins to grow. We, be, we begin to come, become strong. And in the right season, that tree, that seed is going to bear forth the fruit that you've been believing God for. But if you never allow yourself to be watered and to be poured into, then you're never going to grow, right? Simple principle. But it's so true. and It's something we cannot neglect. I love what scripture says about this as well. And then I want to give you these four steps of just how to have that specific plan. Jeremiah 29, 13 says this. It says, and you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. When you go on, on the prowl, when you go on the pursuit of God, scripture says that you are going to find him. When you make that time, when you make the place, see, there's four legs to the chair. I want to simply tell you is one of the legs is a time. You have to carve a time out that this is the time I'm going to make time to spend with God. Number two is the place that you've got to have a specific place that that chair is. Many of you have a commute to work. Take that commute and turn it into a mobile chair where you're, you're turning your truck or your car into a worship service. You're connecting with God. You're throwing on uh, maybe a message that you missed from a, a few weeks ago or you're getting uh, your Bible. You're, you're playing your Bible in the truck. Number three is, again, we have a, um, the time, we have the place, and then we have the plan, that you have to have a plan when you go into the chair. And number four is a posture. And the posture is, I think, everything when it comes to your quiet time. Many times, the posture, whatever you have need of, you can sit and you can simply say, God, I'm here. I need to receive from you. Or maybe there's a posture. I don't know about you, but this is where I find myself many times where you're down and you're just in prayer and you're, you're, you're seeking God. You're seeking his heart. But the posture you go into the chair with, it means everything. And there's different postures that I believe when you, when you do, when you, when you bow low. And see, here's what we need to know too about church is what would be known uh, is in the ancient church is the mass or is the liturgy, how they, what they would call their services is, is it would be known as the work of the people, that it's the work of the people. Many times now in the modern church is there's this consumerist mentality where we come in and, okay, pastor, what do you have for me? What's the word? Worship team, you need to work me up and get me in the presence of God. But what was the understanding of church in the, in the ancient church is it's the work of the people. That think about this. If you're spending time in the chair, you're spending time in the presence of God, and then we all come together as we're already filled walking in, then there's no telling what the Holy Spirit can do right. when we're together, when we're filled, when we're fueled, when we're ready to worship, when we bring ourselves as a living sacrifice. And so this morning, know that, that when you come, when you uh, worship God, it should be an overflow of what he's been pouring into your life as you've spent time in that chair in a specific place where you meet with Jesus every day. Aren't you thankful that we can meet God with an unveiled face, that we can have his presence. It's not just in the church, but the chair is even, you have to 
If you read uh, John the Evangelist in the book of Revelation, it says that he was cast to the island of Patmos, that he was deserted, he was pushed to the side. And it was as he was in that wilderness, what happened? God poured the book, the word of Revelation into him that is now a prophetic word for you and I. The same is with Moses, how the burning bush was that holy place that he received wisdom and direction from God. It says that he took his sandals off, that he made it a place that he would hear from God. Yes, church is that, but it's so important that you have that place in your home, that you make it a priority to hear from God or whatever, that you're connecting with God outside of this. And I believe when you do, he will stir you, he will fill you, he will give you everything that you have need of because all things are available to us. We just have to get in and understand it and allow the Holy Spirit who abides in us to make the word of God come alive to us and reveal himself to you. You believe that this morning? Are you thankful that God wants to show himself to you? I pray this message stirs you. Corey, if you would come and Bree, I want us to sing for just a minute and I want us to connect with God. I want his love to become real to you. I want you to ask him. I challenge you that tonight, before your week even starts, that whether it's just on your couch, you just take a, a kitchen chair and put it in your living room or put it in your office and say, I'm gonna take 20 minutes before I go into work and I'm just gonna connect with God and start my day off. I guarantee as you do that, the Holy Spirit will show himself and will speak to you. Take your word, shut the noise off, get the technology out and just say, God, I wanna meet with you right here and right now. I love what this says right here, Revelation 3.20. It says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and dine with him. Don't you love that aspect that he wants to dine with you, that he wants to eat with you, he wants to feed you, and he with me. That's the heart of God for you this morning. I challenge you, have you stopped knocking? Have you stopped pursuing, have you just allowed busyness or kids or life or work to get in the way of that special place, that quiet place where you can connect with God. My heart is your pastor. I pray that you're inspired again in these messages, but my heart is that this is what would happen because this is what's really going to change and direct your life. It's spending that time, that quiet place with God. So I want them to sing this and I want you just to bow your head with me. I wanna pray with you. And then I want you just to ask God, God, what are you wanting to tell me, speak to me in this season? Just ask him, Holy Spirit, what is it? Maybe you already have a question. Just ask him it right now. Say, Holy Spirit, what's the direction? What way should I go in this area? And I pray that you would reveal it to me. Father, we thank you that this is a church that wants to lean into the still small voice of the Holy Spirit, that we practice the presence of God, that we take our time with you seriously, that it's an appointment, that's every day that we sit down and we meet with you. Because in this, in this place and in this time is where, where we're transformed into the image of Christ. And you take us from glory to glory to glory. God, we want to know you. We want to know your heart. We thank you, God, that you love us so much that you invite us into this place. 
We honor you. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed. For more messages like this one, check out our website at gatheringplacechurch.com.